Craft beer friends, and welcome to another episode of Tap the Craft Podcast. I am Denny Luce, and I'm coming to you from Boise, Idaho, and my partner in craft and brewery owner in Columbus, Ohio, is Mr. John Ream. And John, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Recovering from a weekend of a lot of drinking, which I'll cover a bit a little later. But okay. uh, yeah, moving forward, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. All right. That's what I like to hear. I like to hear that everything's moving forward nice and steadily. So that's fantastic. All right, John. Hey, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into the show. But before we do that, let's just give anyone that's new listening to our show an understanding of what we're all about. And we are Tap to Craft Podcast, an educational podcast focused around celebrating all things craft beer. We want to help you along in your craft beer journey. We want to give you a little education and kind of promote the whole craft beer movement so that you guys can get on board and join us for this fun ride. And we are recording episode 83 on Monday, September 25th, 2017. And this episode is going to be another short one. Yep, you heard it. going to be nice and quick. We're going to discuss the American Lager Style Guidelines and also my trip to the Gooding Farms Hop Fields and Picking Plant tour. Uh, yes, some exciting stuff. I can't wait to talk about it. And of course, you can always count on John and I having some great beer conversation along the way. But before we get into all that great content, John, what is in your glass tonight? So tonight I'm drinking uh, from Taft's Brewing Company. It's their Gavel Banger IPA, mm. um, which I've been enjoying. My, uh, my folks actually brought this uh, up from Cincinnati when they drove through uh, coming back from the the bourbon festival in in uh, Kentucky, so they stopped and picked up some beer in addition to their all all their liquor. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, yeah, I've been enjoying this so far. Uh, we're about halfway through the six pack, I think. Okay. So yeah, and and Taft's is a Kentucky brewery or Cincinnati brewery. Sorry, Cincinnati. Okay, yeah. you got me thrown because I knew you said Cincinnati, but then I start. Thinking about bourbon, I started thinking Kentucky because Kentucky's not that far away. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, you guys are probably drinking all this great stuff from Kentucky. But I was wrong. No, there's, there's an enormous river between <laughs> between the two. But no, they're from uh, Cincinnati and uh, over the Rhine, I believe, uh, neighborhood Okay, of the city. So. All right. Well, hey, Mr. Devious, Mr. Matt, why don't you chime in and let us know if you've had some tasks and whether or not you like it or not, too. Why? Yeah, only if you support my opinion. Otherwise, <laughs> keep it to yourself. And, uh, how about you, Denny? What are you What are you drinking tonight? Well, you know what? I I can't stop giving all this love to Mother Earth Brewing. Um, I really enjoy a lot of their beers they provide, and the one I'm drinking tonight is kind of welcoming in fall because we've been kind of chilly the last uh, couple weeks. Although today we're starting to warm back up to some some uh, you know more spring or fall type weather but because i want to ease my way into winter i decided to go ahead and start hitting the imperial stouts so i'm drinking the syntax imperial stout from mother earth brewing 
and I absolutely love this beer. It's a great, uh, he, you know, pretty heavy-bodied imperial stout, 8.1% alcohol. It's got some great flavor in there, um, a little bit of uh, sweetness up front, but it ends very nice and dry, and has a, a a bit of a peanut buttery or nutty finish to it, which is really really enjoyable. So. I urge all my friends out there who are listening who can get Mother Earth Brewing, if you have not tried the Syntax Imperial Stout, go out there and give this beer a try. I think you will enjoy it. And I would urge everyone that can get it to send me some. That's all. <laughs> all right, That's all John. All right. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm kind of I'm slacking on my job. I, do, I have one more bottle of this left. It's a 22-ounce bottle. I'm drinking one right now, but I have one left. Maybe that will find my way or find its way into a nice care package for you. Or at the very least, you can bring it out for uh, for the grand opening. You know. Okay. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. It will be gone by then, though. You have to exhibit some kind of self control. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. True. I, I have self control. So sometimes, you know, when I start drinking, I start to lose control of that self control. Just, just think of others and other than yourself. Okay. That's all. No problem. Will do. All right, John. So let me know if you've had some fun activities, especially activities that involve drinking some great craft beer since our last recording. I did have some some fun activities that did involve some craft beer. And uh, this past weekend, I went down to Cincinnati for my good friend Pete and Amanda's wedding. Ah, uh, excellent. Which I was actually officiating. So yeah, yeah. What, I, I am a licensed minister <laughs> in the state of Ohio, thanks to uh, the Universal Life Church, which you can, you can find online. Okay. And uh, so we went down there, and we drove down, and immediately went to a brewery to meet up with everybody. Uh, went and checked out Braxton Brewing, which I had mentioned. Oh yeah. For the uh, the Grater's Blackberry Chip beer that mm-hmm. they did. Um, they actually had another um, Grater's Beer collaboration when, when we were there this time. Uh, there was a taster of it, but I didn't get I didn't get to try it. It was a blueberry ice cream something beer. Mm. But uh, I had uh, what they were calling a Northeast IPA. It was a very tasty IPA, but it did not exhibit many of the other qualities of a, a Northeast IPA. It was rather clear um, okay. for for that style. Um, it was tasty. It just wasn't what they described it as. Yeah. Um, then there were visits to, uh, Listerman brewing, uh, Rheingeist, uh, March 1st brewing, but I didn't get to go to any of that cause I had to prepare for the wedding. Oh. Um, everybody <laughs> oh, else on. did. Um, oh. but, uh, you know, it, it was a good time had by all. And, uh, I was, uh, thrilled to be able to be the one to marry the two of them. So, um, it was awesome. Good, good party. Uh, afterwards, everybody had a good time. So it, it was, it was a great weekend. Wow. So. It sounds great. Except you missed all the fun parts of visiting all the breweries. Well, I created my own fun parts. Thanks to bourbon. <laughs> so yeah. it was fine. <laughs> all right. All right. So is there any video of you doing your thing up there on, in front of everyone? I, I want to see it. Uh, so Kristen actually said afterwards, I really realized I should have videotaped that. Um, and I don't know if, I don't think I noticed any, uh, videotaping 
I think they just had a photographer, not a videographer. So I don't think there is any video. Oh so. man. Okay. All right. There are well, pictures of me up in front of them, but you know, that's, that could all be staged. You don't yeah. know if I'm telling the truth or no, not. No, no, no. Yeah. I want to, I want to see. So maybe someone will leak something on YouTube. I'll be able to find it there. Yeah. Yeah. Or you'll have to like do a freedom of information act request for, uh, you know, the state of Ohio <laughs> to release the, the marriage license that I signed for them. So, uh, well, that's, that's pretty cool. I, I mean, I guess anyone can marry anyone now. Just got to go online, do 15 minutes of filling out some paperwork and boom, you're licensed. Yeah. To- I mean, <laughs> if you, if you go through Ohio, you, whatever, you know, it costs to get the, the documents you need to, ofi- to officially apply mm-hmm. the license plus $10, then you're done. <laughs> So, you know. Oh, wow. I'm kind of a big deal now. You are. You are. All right. Well, so when my wife and I renew our vows, maybe, I mean, we're coming up close to 30 years. I don't know if I, it's worthy doing it 30 or should I wait till 50? Maybe uh, I'll have you, we'll go to Ohio. And you know, I believe in Sarah making it to your 50th. <laughs> I'm not sure about you. So you should come for 30, come to Ohio and I can do it for you. Okay. So. All right. We might do that. We might do that. Just a little side thing. And we'll... We'll video. T- we'll, we'll we'll do a little uh, phone phone video action and put it up on YouTube and Facebook so everyone can enjoy the the, the event. So that'd be that'd be there fun. You go. All right. So you got to tell us about this Hopfield. Yes, I um I think I mentioned in the last episode that I was going to be going on a hop farm tour, and I did it this last Saturday, just uh, two days ago, and. This was, it was called the Merry Hopsters Bus Tour, Back to the Hopfields with Bitter Creek Ale House, and it was sponsored by Odell Brewing. Odell Brewing is out of Fort Collins, Colorado, and this is the second year that they had put on this tour, and my buddy Alex had gone last year. He really enjoyed it, and he said, hey, I want to go again, but I, I, I want to, you know, I want you to come along with me. I said, of, of course, I will join you because I am really interested in finding out how hops are processed and how they're grown and all the nitty gritty behind, you know, all those details we don't know. We just enjoy, in you know, drinking uh, beer with hops in it. We just don't know how those hops come about. And so I jumped on board and signed up for the tour as soon as he sent me the link, and uh, it, we took off on Saturday. So uh, we were supposed to meet at the Bitter Creek Ale House. Now Bitter Creek Ale House is a nice uh, pub downtown Boise. And they put on the event, like I said, with along with Odell Brewing. And they had enough people to fill three school buses. Now, I don't know how many people it was, but I'm guessing it was at least, I mean, it was over 100, maybe 150 people that we had uh, at this uh, tour. And we, um, we showed up and got on the buses at 10 o'clock in the morning. And shortly after we were on the bus, we started drinking. And this is great because we had to drive from Boise all the way to western Idaho border of Oregon to Wilder, Idaho. And uh, that's where the hop fields are. It's over there by Ontario, Oregon, and uh, Wilder, and Parma. And on the way, because it's a long drive, they went ahead and they said, hey, we're going to give you beer. So we started drinking beer. Now, we had a punch card. We got th- we were supposed to have three beers when we were at the farm eating lunch and three beers that we could have on the bus. Luckily, our bus crew was so cool, they let us have more than the amount that we had punched on our card. So I had, before noon, in two hours, I had four beers. 
uh, and was enjoying myself on the ride to the hop fields. Now, reality is the hop fields are only about an hour away, but we had to stop a couple times to try to get guides and, and such. So um, that took a little bit longer getting now out there, but hey, this, it didn't matter. We were drinking beer. We were laughing. We were having a great time. I, I don't know. I, just, just the camaraderie and the fun that we had on the bus was fun. Then we show up at the Gooding Farms hop fields. Actually, first we stop at the uh, a new processing plant that they're building, and this is a pelletizing and storage uh, facility. Now, Idaho is the third largest hop producer in the states, and um, we don't have our own pelletizing and hop storage facility. Everything that's grown here has to be shipped out to Washington State to the closest pelletizing plant to to you know be processed into pellets. So this is a big deal. It's almost completed. It was halfway completed about. Um, they have the storage facility done, but they don't have the pelletizing plant all the way up and running. By next hop season, everything will be you know running and, and ready to go, and they'll be able to transport their hops straight to a local area in Wilder, which, again, that's where most of our hops are. We have some hop fields also in northern Idaho, but uh, I'm not sure if they'll continue to ship stuff off to Washington or not, it might be shorter distance to go to Washington from northern Idaho than it is from where we're at in the southern area. But uh, it was kind of cool. You know, this is a big deal. I'm looking forward to just upping the ante here in the state of Idaho. But we went to the hop fields and we got to see them actually harvesting the hops. And we, this uh, farm has been producing hops in Idaho since 1941. Uh, they started off in the Willamette Valley, um, and I forget the date they started off in, in Oregon, Willamette Valley, Oregon. They started doing hops, and they moved in 1941 to Wilder, Idaho, and and, and, and uh, they have been doing 800 acres of hops ever since. And they have two uh, pickers, hop picker plants, basically bring the binds in, and they kind of pick the you know, pick the uh, hops off of them, and they have two two different uh, plants that they run simultaneously because there's a lot of uh, operation there. But we've got to watch them do the bottom cutting and the top cutting of the hops, and she explained the whole, you know, detail on what's going on and how long they've been doing it. And what's cool is I was taking video of different things, and I put together a video that I will be posting on our Facebook page. I'm going to have a long video. It's going to be about eight minutes long, and I'm going to have a short maybe like minute and a half, two minute video, just kind of highlight the the highlights. And then you can then, if it intrigues you enough to watch the whole video, you'll get more information on what's going on in this whole process. But man, I had a great time. The hop field we were in was a Zeus hop field. And my gosh, those Zeus hops smell incredible. Are you from, have you been, have you used Zeus hops before, John, in your brewing? So Zeus is actually uh, one of three hops, Columbus, Tomahawk, and Zeus. They're all very uh, similar from okay. the same like lineage. So a lot of times you'll see CTZ hops, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're all like it's effectively equivalent. Okay. Um, so Columbus hops, Zeus hops, it's very, very, very close okay. um, in, in what you get from them. So Okay. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, they smell incredible. And I even popped open a couple hops. Lupulin was flowing out of these things like crazy. I stuck my tongue on it to taste it. And guess what, John? 
Was bitter. It was bitter. <laughs> you got it. You knew exactly what I was going to say. Hops are bitter, and it tasted okay. And the bitterness kind of fall right down the back of my throat and the back of my tongue, and that sucker hung out there for a while. I, it was hard to get rid of that bitterness that was just lingering in the back of my tongue. But you know what? Luckily, beer and a little bit of water helped me wash that right down, and I was right back on my way with no uh, no harm done. But yeah, yeah, they, I, I I've had uh, talked to some folks that sell the like essentially, you know just alpha acids out of the hops it's mm-hmm. it's extremely concentrated you know extract from the hops mm-hmm. like you can taste this and put it on your tongue but yeah. you won't be able to eat anything <laughs> for like 24 hours and taste it so and you know that's like extremely concentrated stuff so i, I can imagine just straight off the hop that it, yeah. it, it would be extremely bitter and not a pleasant experience for a little while yeah yeah and it just it amazes it amazes me that how in the world I mean, I guess what happened is people were, you know, when, when beer was being made, right, they had this concoction and it was kind of sweet. And they're like, you know what? I know I tasted this plant out here in this uh, in this uh, field and it was really bitter. I bet if I mix this bitter thing with this sweet thing, it might balance it out and make something good. And voila, you know, beer must have been found uh, enjoyable there with just some uh, mixing of some some experimental tastings going on out in the in the fields. Yeah. And that might actually be something we could talk about sometime. Cause there was a lot of beer made with random herbs and other things as well as hops. So, all right, put we, it on the list Explore that a little bit. Yeah. Put it yeah. on the list and we will explore that for sure. But, um, so then we went back from the fields back to the, the original farmhouse that was built back in 1941. And that's where their main processing plant is that takes the, the binds with the hops and it, plucks those hops off and it shakes and rattles and rolls all this material to get those hops single into the cones without all that extra stems and leaves and everything. I'm telling you what, it's a dangerous place. They may assign a waiver before we even got on a bus saying, Hey, we're not responsible if you get hurt because you know what? You mix beer and people and dangerous equipment. And guess what? People are going to get hurt. Luckily, no one got hurt. We went through the whole day with no one getting hurt. But I'll tell you what, those processing plants, they are not the safest place to work. Uh, I, I mean, I literally almost got my head, like, scalped off at one point because there's belts running right above my head, and I didn't realize how close it was. There's no guard or anything. Um, but it was very interesting to see how they take the whole bind and they just strip it, and they just, you know, go through a bunch of belts, pulleys, and conveyors and out at the end comes hops without the stems without the leaves just the the hop cones and they're intact and that's amazing i i'm shocked that it comes out um so clean we also got to see the dryers where they take these freshly picked hop cones and they put them into a three foot dryer bed and they shoot hot air from underneath the floor up through these hops to dry them out. I'll tell you what, that hop dryer facility was way too hot. I mean, it was really hot in there. And it was interesting because they they bring the hops in and it goes along in different uh, bins and they have control over how much heat is getting to each bin and it dries them out. The hops at the very 
beginning, very light, dry, brittle. The hops that they were putting in, again, wet and heavy and, uh, I mean, it's pretty interesting to see how the change occurs just in one, uh, actually like six hour, six to eight hour time frame. I mean, the, the hops go through a huge tra- change. They lose a lot of moisture. In fact, the spec for getting those hops um, out to market is less than 10% moisture in the hops. And what they do is they dry them, and not every hop is going to have uh, 10% hop uh, moisture in it. They're going to have uh, a variation. But when they get done drying, they put them into a pile, and then just the the fact that those hops are in a pile close together, the um, moisture bounces out and becomes you know less than the 10% they need. Then they go ahead and they put them into a compactor, and they make bells, hop bells, into uh, bags, 200 pounds of these light, fluffy, very, I mean, I picked up a handful of hops. I couldn't even feel them in my hand. They're so light. But they're packing in 200 pounds of these light, you know, hop cones into these uh, compacted um, bales to ship off to be pelletized, uh, which is uh, pretty pretty interesting. So, like I said, I have a video. I'm still in the process of editing it. I want to do some voiceover. I, th- I think I'm going to do some voiceover to talk about the different areas because uh, I'm going to cut out the sound for most of it except for um, a portion in the field when one of the uh, owner's daughter is talking about the process and, and their history of their uh, of them, uh, you know, their farm. I thought that was very interesting. So I'm going to do some some talk over in there and, uh, and I'll release that to Facebook for you guys to watch. But, uh, yeah, I recommend anyone that is able to go on a hop farm tour, especially one that involves beer. And we had lunch. We had a whole pig roast lunch and uh, music. We had some great band playing uh, music also and games. Uh, it was a really good time. So any of my friends here, listeners that are in the Boise area, next year, if you can, you should definitely you know, pay attention to when this hop tour goes on and sign up and I go along. I think I'm going to go next year too because I had a great time. Yeah, and I'd mentioned that in uh, Yakima, Washington, every September there is a hop school uh, event that goes on. It's a two-day event, and uh, they take you through the whole process, let you tour everything, and teach you a whole bunch of stuff about hops. They have Mm -hmm. a a home brewer uh, event and then a commercial brewer event, but anybody can go to the home brewer one. it's I I can't remember what it cost this this year, um, but two years you get or two days you get to try a whole bunch of beers, talk to a bunch of professional folks that are doing you know some seminars on some stuff as well as touring the hop fields and diving into the big piles of hops if you want <laughs> if you want to feel sticky for the next three weeks you yeah. Know? From all the oils, but uh, it's something that I wish I had done before we left yeah. the Northwest. But uh, when I was working full time, it never really worked out that I could go do it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, if you can if you can head out there if you're in the area, I'd, I'd recommend taking a look at it. And I think you need to actually be looking in June or July to actually get a ticket okay. uh, to be able to do it. So, mark it on your calendar. Yeah, uh, remind me. Yeah, yeah. I might, uh, I might have to sign up for that one. That sounds if, interesting. Maybe my buddy Alex, he'll want to go to Yakima and and do that two day uh, event also because we, I mean, he's gone two years in a row and really enjoyed both years that he went. And why not go to Yakima and get the big 
the number one hop producing uh, state uh, take on it. That'd be even yeah. Better. Everyone I've talked to has has really enjoyed that one, so it, it's worth taking a look at if you're interested. All right. Okay, John. I just got done yakking away for at least ten minutes, but now it's your turn. Give us an update on Trek Brewing. What is going on, and how are you? You know, how's things coming? Are you, are you making progress? No. No. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're making some progress. Uh, yeah. So uh, we had we have had some photos up of the big hole cut in the wall, the back of the brewery. Um, you know, that's just been covered with plywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now we have a door there. So our overhead door was finally installed. Um, it came in, and they got that up over the weekend, actually. They came in on a Sunday to do oh, it. Wow. Um, you paid double was, time on that. I better not have. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they, they they got it up, and it uh, looks good. So you'll see some photos of that. I don't know if they'll they'll get out ahead of uh, this week's blog post, but um, it'll at least be up in the blog post if you want to take a look at, at the door and see what it looks like. There's some finish work that needs to be done. Uh, with a threshold from the parking lot into the brewery mm-hmm. uh, with it. So it's not completely done um, because the the parking lot over the years has been built up, uh, you know, continually resealing and sealing. Yeah. Um, that it's, it's higher than the floor inside. So we have to create a bit of a threshold to make sure that water doesn't just gush into the brewery, you know. So uh, that stuff has to be finished um, and uh, that'll be done. Um, probably by the next time we record, I would imagine. Okay, uh, are they going to put in like a like a drain right there at the at the threshold of the door? That'd be a good idea, I would think, just keep water out of there. Um, no, essentially what what we're doing is the so the the walls for the whole building are are cinder block. So the the block's been cut, and it's going to basically create a lip um, okay. to keep water out, um, and it the threshold will uh, be cut to to be lower on the outside versus the inside. Mm-hmm. So it'll slope outwards away from the building. Um, and that should keep pretty much everything out. If we have some, you know, insane rain or <laughs> something like that. The good news is we have a trench drain that is about four feet from that entrance. So okay. if we do get water in, it should funnel in there. And worst case, I can squeegee it into there. <laughs> you know, it won't be a problem. Um, it is a concrete floor, right? So you should be okay. Yeah, and it, it's going to be sealed to handle, you know, caustics and acids and other yeah. things. So the bit of water that gets in won't be a, a huge deal. Um but you know we don't want it to be flooding every time it rains, so that's why we're creating the the threshold there. So, yeah. But we've got a door now. We're we've got an official closing, other than just the plywood. So that's that's awesome. Yes. Um, the the electrical work has been ongoing. Uh, they've been doing a great job cleaning stuff up, getting all the uh, outlets where we need them for the brewery, and cleaning up in the kitchen and. Uh, rerouting all of our lighting because the way the lighting was done uh, previously, you had to go into what would be the service area for the event space uh, to turn on all the lights in the kitchen and everything of what's now our brewery, kitchen, lab, office, and bathroom. So all those spaces need to have their own light switches. Mm. So they've been kind of 
cleaning all that up, untangling all that mess of what was done before. And uh, we actually have all of our lights, our LED lighting installed in the brewery. So nice, energy efficient um, lighting in the brewery. We have LED lights on site ready to be installed for the kitchen area, the lab area, the office, and the uh, bathroom. Um, So all that stuff will be super low energy, super you know, efficient for everything. So that's awesome. I'm excited to keep our footprint, you know, small (laughs) as we can, you know, although brewing beer is an energy uh, intensive process. Every every chance we can to lower that impact, we're going to take advantage of. Um, So we, unfortunately at this time, you know, go ahead and put on record that we won't have it in the tap room and, clubhouse area like the event space all that's not going to be led yet um but we've been uh working with our folks to kind of put a plan in place that we can transition that as we move forward um it's just unfortunately it's not in the budget to completely overhaul the entire building um at this time but because we're removing the ceiling and everything else in those other areas it because we were putting everything new in. Yeah, it made sense. It, it was easier to do it that way yeah. than the other spaces. So uh, we do have plans moving forward to to get that stuff in place. Um, and we'll be doing that as soon as it, it makes sense and, and we can afford it. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a problem with all this stuff. You have great ideas, but somebody has to pay for it. Yeah. Um, and that, that someone is me right now. So <laughs> um, we're working on it. Um, but we are, uh, getting some of the ceiling put back together, which is awesome. Um, the, in the brewery area, we're actually, we're keeping it open to the top. So there's no new ceiling going in there, but we have some ceiling work that's going on, uh, in a partial area of the tap room, uh, that had to be redone, uh, due to the way that they had done it before it was wrong. And we had to fix, uh, a little bit of electrical out there. So that's all been redone and uh, patched back together. And uh, then the, the kitchen area is having its ceiling redone. So all those areas are in work um, and we'll, we'll see how, how fast that progresses. But mm. um, in the, what is John doing at the brewery, you know, version <laughs> um, I've mentioned scraping glue. I was doing that earlier today. Okay. Some more glue. Um, there's still quite a bit of glue. Uh, I think we had talked about a percentage before that percentage has not moved very much because, uh, folks have, you know, that are working have come in and put equipment or they're working in that area. So I haven't been able to scrape glue where they're working, um, because I'd rather they work efficiently than me scrape the glue. Um, so everything I'm doing, I'm trying to just stay out of the way, but continue to make progress. Yeah. Um, so instead I've been sanding walls out in the tap room area, um, where we need to, uh, get some of the, the edges off the walls from the insane texture that was put on the walls by a previous <laughs> owner. Um, and so I've, I've been working on that. I finished, uh, about 50% of what we need to do out there. Um, and I'll, I'll probably finish all that this week. Um, what we need to do in terms of sanding the walls. But yeah, it's, it's been, uh, 
it, it's kind of crazy. They, they've just had a, a very, a very large texture put on top of that, but we're, we're cleaning it off where we need to for some certain design elements that Kristen's working on that I'm not going to share at this time. So. Okay. It's a um, secret. Surprise yeah, us. You know, it's a, it's a tease. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta still want something, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you gotta pay attention to those Thursday updates. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I'm going to be in this one it's gonna be in the future. <laughs> so, um, I'm just disappointing people all over story of my life. But, uh, outside of that, we're also, we've done some, some more patio preparation, um, which, uh, we have altered our plans Uh-oh. and we're, we're now going to have a double door. We're able to put a double door in going out to the patio rather than a single door that was initially planned. Uh, which is awesome. It's going to let a lot more, you know, freedom of movement in and out. Mm-hmm. It's going to let a lot more light into the tap room yeah. uh, area. I think it's going to be great all around for yeah. folks. Sounds um, good. And the bad news of the patio preparation, and I don't think this has been out there publicly Uh-oh. yet. Nope. So this is, uh, here, you can, you can get excited okay. that I'm going to tell you something that Kristen <laughs> hasn't told the public. Um, but unfortunately, the tree that we were working very hard to keep and had was in all of our initial drawings and everything yeah. is going to have to come out. Why? Um, we have worked with a number of different folks to try to find a solution of how we could work around the tree. And uh, the opinion of every landscape person we've had is that any way we do it, we're going to kill the tree. Oh, um, is that the way that the tree has grown over the years, it was constricted when it was put in. Um, and it really shouldn't have been allowed to grow to the size it has this mm-hmm. close to the building. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, any, tr- any way we try to work around it, we'll have the tree for a little while. And then suddenly the tree is going to be in desperate need of being taken out. Okay. Um, so unfortunately we're going to have to remove the tree uh, now. Um, the, the plus side of that is we're going to be able to provide a nice open space for the tap room. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have to try to build around the tree and its yeah. roots to accommodate the tree and make sure we could try to get the tree enough water through the patio. Um, but, uh, the downside is we're losing an awesome big tree. Okay. Um, but I can say that we are making plans to plant, um, additional trees, uh, they may not all be at the brewery, but we're going to be planting trees regardless to, to kind of, you know, try to at least, <laughs> at least make good on, you know, taking one the, tree out, the, planting the, five the trees. Part. Yeah. I mean, you, you should never take out a tree and then not at least put one tree in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're going to be working to make that good. We're looking at other options on the property on what we could do, um, which we, we won't see right away. Um, just through the time of year. Um, cause we, we've talked to folks and they say, well, we can put some of this stuff in, but putting it in right before winter, yeah, is rough. you know, it's, it's not a good idea. So we recommend putting the plan in place and scheduling somebody to be out, you know, in the spring to yeah. do this. And so eventually we will see the fruit of, you know, making good on this. But, uh, the good news is we're making progress on the patio. So all those folks that have, uh, patio party 
perks waiting for them. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to make good on that as soon as possible. Um, so we were working hard to do that. And uh, I was out there today uh, prepping the space for the tree to be removed um, because the way that, you know, part of the problem with the tree is that it was confined. So its roots were going crazy trying to find water. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of roots that are above ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what caused a problem of, of trying to accommodate these roots that were above ground along with the building and how we could do that. So I had to get the roots exposed so the tree could be removed and the, the roots could be properly uh, dealt with so that we could make a, a flat patio space that people can actually walk on and not trip after a couple of years. So. <laughs> but we're going to get there. And, uh, yeah, we'll have some, some more greenage at the brewery eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, get rid of the tree in the middle and then just put trees along the uh, outside of it. And that might eventually give you the ambiance that you're looking for there. So, no, I agree. If you're, if it's eventually going to cause, I mean, you don't want to traumatize a tree enough where it, it dies off and now it's becoming a hazard to the building or to the people that are visiting your brewery and all of a sudden starts to fall over or you know, do something dangerous. So, yeah, get rid of it now. Uh, we'll make amends later, uh, get some other trees planted, and it'll all be good. Yeah, and that, that's pretty much where we are at this point. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Understandable. Yeah, but that's, that's it for me right now. Okay. Well, you know what, John? I'm going to give your voice a break because you had a big talk there on the truck. That's that's the biggest truck brewing update you've given yet. That's impressive. I know. I'm just trying to make you happy. You're yeah. you're always convinced that Kristen's <laughs> going to give you the scoop, but hey, I, you did I good. Some love. No, you so, did good. You yeah. even broke a, a story that no one else knew until now. So hey, I'm impressed. But to give your voice a break, let me go ahead and talk about some of the noteworthy beers that I had over the last two weeks, and then then you can roll into your noteworthy after my mine. So I'm going to start off with a Portland brewery. Uh, again, Portland has some fantastic breweries, and one of the breweries that I really have grown to enjoy lately that they've been distributing here in the, in the Boise, Idaho area is from Occidental Brewing. And you know what time of the year it is, John? It is fest beer time, Oktoberfest time. And what? Yes. <laughs> and I have been drinking every Oktoberfest I can find. Some new ones, some old ones. It doesn't matter. I love Oktoberfest beers. And I grabbed this one from Occidental called Fest Beer. Again, Fest Beer is a normal name for a Martzen or Oktoberfest. And it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Nice flavor, great malt flavor in there. A uh, little bit, you know, bigger body than a normal lighter lager. Uh, I, again, another fantastic beer from Occidental Brewing out of Portland, Oregon. I gave that a four cap rating and untapped. I also went ahead and enjoyed a brew a beer from Mazama Brewing, and this was a tribute to the eclipse that occurred in August here in the Idaho area, and it's Maz, uh, Mazama's eight. Point, or 821 Lunar Lager. It's an IPL, an India Pale Lager. And they used Idaho 7 hops in this uh, Idaho, this, this uh, India Pale Lager. And I'll tell you what. I've mentioned in the past that 
depending on how the brewery uses Idaho 7, and again, Idaho 7 hops have matured more since they've been you know, introduced a few years ago. They've matured, and I think now they know the right time to pick them, and the breweries are really starting to use this hop in a very, very good manner that gives you the full flavors that this hop can provide. And I'll tell you what, this Mazama 821 Lunar Lager with the Idaho 7 hops was fantastic. It was had a nice body of a lager with the malt up front, finished off with some some really interesting and flavorful hop character at the finish. I can't even really describe. This hop gives you so many different flavors. You can't just name one flavor it gives you. It just It's got a lot of different things going on in it, and this was a well-done India Pale Lager. I really enjoyed it. I don't think many people can find it unless you find it real quick. It's going to be gone because, again, it was it was released for the Eclipse, and it's going to be sold out pretty fast. But if you can find it in the uh, Oregon, Idaho area, go go give it a try. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I really did enjoy this uh, India Pell Lager. Now, John, we haven't really talked a lot about India Pell Lagers. Um, what do you think about this style? Do you you think India Pell Lagers is something that uh, is going to stick around, or you think it's something that's just like people are, are experimenting with and it's going to fade away as a as a fad? Um, I think we've talked about them from time to time. They seem to just kind of be sticking around in the background. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, part of the problem with, with the style as, as it is is that hops are expensive. Yeah. And lockers are expensive, expensive in yeah. terms of tank time. Yep. yep. So it, not always feasible to do it um, from a brew perspective. But I, th- I think there's some fun stuff to explore there, you know, if you can afford the tank time and the, and the hops and the to hops. go along with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd like to see more. I like some of that really clean yeast character mm-hmm. um even though you know the uh, an american ale a good american ale strain doesn't leave a lot uh residual flavor or anything like that when it's dealt with properly but i don't know you get it's a, it's a little different character so yeah yeah um I, yeah yeah I, I like it and you're right you brought some very good points loggers are expensive tank time i mean it takes longer to lager the beers to get them to uh to be drinkable and in, in, in the right uh, flavor profiles that you want. And adding those extra hops is also more expensive. So you're right. This is uh, an expensive beer style to, to for for a lot of breweries to invest in. So, yeah, maybe it is a, a fleeting thing that's going on. But I I enjoy them. I, so far, pretty much every India Pill Lager I've had, I've – enjoyed what it gives me and uh, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing more of this style uh, for my own personal enjoyment and whether or not it helps the breweries hey hey if it falls out because it's too expensive i'll live with it but i am enjoying it myself all right and the last beer i'm going to talk about is again i mentioned a few shows ago that modern times brewing out of the uh, what Southern California area? I don't remember if it's San Diego. Is it San Diego they're out of or L.A.? Do you remember John? San Diego, right? San Diego, I okay. think. Okay, yeah. but uh, you know they've been bringing beers to the uh, to Boise, and I've really enjoyed what they've brought. And I picked up this Modern Times Fruitlands Passion Fruit and Guava Goza, and uh, I'll tell you what, I. 
Anyone that listens to the past shows knows that I'm a huge fan of the Goza style. Some Gozas are done well, some are not so well. Again, Modern Times so far has really done a great job on their Goza styles. This one has a fantastic tropical fruit flavor with a subtle tartness and a nice salinity, salty finish that kind of cuts that tartness out real fast and, and gives you a nice finish, nice dry finish. Um, a fantastic beer. If and Fruitlands has a, a, they're not. It's Fruitlands is the Goza style. They they have a couple different varieties of fruits that they put in there. And this is the one with the passion fruit and guava. And if you enjoy tropical uh, hop flavors, uh, I think you'll really enjoy this beer. I I really enjoyed it myself, uh, and I gave it a four cap. Again, all the beers I mentioned just now all had a four cap rating for me, so they're all really. Uh, tasty beers that I recommend all you guys go out and try. So John, hopefully you had a chance to rest your voice and now you can let us know all the great beers that you had a chance to try in the last couple of weeks. All right. So the first one I'll mention is from a Columbus brewery, North High Brewing, and it is a double IPA called Stardust to Stardust. And anybody that's a Star Wars fan will enjoy the artwork on the can. The oh. uh, the typeface for the beer is very reminiscent of uh, Star Wars, and it's a like a black can with gold okay. stars and stuff all around. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, and the the beer inside is very excellent as well. Um, I actually picked up the last six pack at a local bottle shop that I actually didn't have to go to Columbus for. No. Oh. Um, uh, which was awesome, but they, they put this or they brew this or put it into cans. It wasn't clear from, uh, the person at the bottle shop. And I'm, I'm not familiar yet with the rhythms of everybody in Columbus, um, only twice a year. So, oh, okay. uh, I was excited to, to get a hold of it cause I'd heard really good things. And, uh, th- this beer stood up to all those, uh, recommendations, um, and I think I ended up actually drinking the six pack by myself. <laughs> um, it, was, it was sitting in the fridge. You know, everybody had access to it, but uh, I I powered through it. Maybe Kristen had one. I don't know. Okay. Um, but that's how much I like this beer because I, I just kept going back to it. It was very nice citrusy and uh, just a hint of like a pine or resin type, type character just mm-hmm. to kind of round it out. But okay uh, it's very easy to drink and uh yeah i i really enjoyed this and so if, if you're in the greater columbus area once or twice a year at the right time i'd recommend picking this up is it was um, did you say it was an ipa uh double ipa double ipa okay yeah um and i think it clocks in like just under eight eight and a half percent or something like that okay nice so yeah that one I, was was very nice. Um, so now I'll mention a beer I had today, actually, mm-hmm. um, which was from Jackie O's. Mm. And it's their Bourbon Barrel Oil of Aphrodite, which I think is billed as a double barrel-aged Imperial Stout. Yeah. And I'm, I haven't done the research on it yet because I just had it today, but I'm not sure if it's aged in two barrels or if it's a, like, double imperial stout or something <laughs> in a barrel. I don't know. Um, 
but I can tell you that it's very smooth, very easy to drink and very dangerous um, from that perspective. Uh, it's a, I think it's 10% um, ABV and the, the barrel character is very nice, just the right level of bourbon, you know, attrib- attribution to the beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't override. It's a beer with some bourbon barrel character. Okay. And Excellent. That is what I love to see rather than a bourbon barrel with a little bit of beer. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had this one, uh, Pete and Amanda, who I mentioned earlier, came up, up to town. Uh, they're flying out of Columbus, uh, to head off for, for some R and R and, uh, met them for a beer, had this and yeah, it was excellent. So, uh, that, yeah, if you can get Jackie O's, the, the oil of Aphrodite, I'm assuming is a great beer on its own, but the bourbon barrel version is tremendous. So, um, then the last one I'll mention, I actually had, uh, when I went up to an Ohio craft beer or craft brewers association meeting in Toledo at mommy Bay brewing. And that beer is the mommy Bay fake juice. Fake juice. (laughs) Um, which, uh, is a playoff fake news and the, the can that it's in has, uh, like a fake, fake headlines and stuff on it about the beer. Um, it's really great marketing. They did a great job with it. Um, and they backed it up with a fantastic, uh, new England IPA. Nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, great tropical orange kind of character for it. Um, really enjoyed that beer. It was very good. Unfortunately, pretty much everyone that's talking to me right now probably missed their chance to get it. I don't know if they're (laughs) brewing it again, but hey, if they ever do, go grab it because it was awesome. So yeah, it sounds like a uh, winner for sure. Now, where's Mommy Bay uh, brewing at? uh, Toledo, Ohio. Toledo. Okay. Sorry, yeah, I I missed uh, mentioning that for the for the meeting, but yeah, uh, up in Toledo, um, ran up there, had a meeting with a bunch of folks. um, but uh, yeah, they're doing great stuff, and their their total eclipse uh, stout is really good too. And that's actually something they've done uh, before the eclipse this year. It's, <laughs> they happen to fall into being an awesome beer with an eclipse name. So. Yeah, yeah, awesome, man, John. You just named three beers that I have to try. So I might be making more than one trip to Ohio in the next uh, near future because uh, yeah, they all sound fantastic. Yeah, and you have to space them out so that all the beers are actually available. <laughs> yeah, <So>. for sure, <laughs> for sure. All right, well, thank you for sharing that, John. Now it's time for our feedback, and we did get a little bit of feedback, although we didn't get any voicemails. I guess nobody likes my voicemail line, but don't worry, it's still there. You can still have your chance to leave. Oh, we even had comments about excited about the. Voicemail. I know. I'm disappointed, Amanda. I know. I know. I'm I call was her out directly. I was shocked there was no <laughs> drunk voicemails left i thought for sure we'd have at least one but nope uh not one voicemail that's okay there's still time we got lots of uh, time left but we had some feedback um on twitter from our buddy matt helmer at devious mr matt he is the leader of the 40 cast podcast and he mentioned on twitter wow tap the craft had a short show this week you know it hey we don't have to have long shows every time we record we can have a nice short show for you guys and it seems like 
that's what some of the people out there want because we did have a few comments about enjoying the short show format. So I'm hoping that John and I can uh, dial things in and give you guys more of these shorter shows in the future. And, uh, hey, John, why don't you go ahead and hit up some more uh, feedback from our short show? Yeah. Uh, Kevin Argyarg, also coming, he commented on Facebook, uh, a one-hour episode. I love it. Yeah. And it, his wife, Amanda, also commented, it was perfect for my one-hour flight. Yeah. See? <laughs> so there you go. See, the, the people have spoken. What I've been saying for three years is right. Yeah. So, yeah, no. yeah. Well, John, you know our goal is to try to get a show at one hour between one and one and a half hours. Now, sometimes we are pretty good at getting close to one and a half. I, I say our batting average is less than twenty five percent for for that target. Okay, well, if, you I, know if I was to go back, I'm not going to because I'm lazy, but yeah. I'm sure somebody yeah. will. Yeah, well, it's so. a new season, so let's let you know what. Let's try to hit between that goal, between one hour and one hour and a half. Let's try to hit that goal and keep our listeners happy because that's what they want. All right, we did have a listener question from our buddy Jay Morris, and uh, he posted an article on Twitter with the following comment. He says, very interesting and good to keep an eye out after line cleaning. like to hear John's wisdom concerning the article. And basically the article that he posted onto our Twitter was an article concerning a lawsuit from a man who drank beer right after the beer lines were cleaned with caustic cleaner and the whoever maintained the lines did not remove all that caustic cleaner from the lines and so when he took a sip it literally burnt his esophagus and he went straight to the emergency room and the doctors at the emergency room could not believe that this guy had suffered such burns down his throat and of course, he filed a, a, a lawsuit against the, and I think he was in Atlantic, I forget, I, I read the article two weeks ago or a week ago. Um, I think it was Atlantic City or somewhere, right, John? You, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so he went to, he was at Atlantic City Casino and, uh, you know, he had a beer and he drank the, took a couple of sips of the beer before he realized that the beer had something in it that wasn't right and it was causing his throat to uh, be burning and uh, swell up. He went straight to the emergency room and found out that, yeah, he was suffering from chemical burns. So he uh, sued the uh, – oh, he was suing a couple people, right? He's suing the uh, the bar the, the or, or the casino. And I don't know if he also had a, a, a lawsuit against the cleaning company or if the bar – had a, a lawsuit against the cleaning company. I'm not sure how that all works, but basically, the uh, the bar was saying, "Hey, it's you know the cleaning guy's responsibility. They're the ones that clean the line. They didn't get it all cleaned." And the bars and the, and the cleaning guys are saying, "No, we didn't clean. It's like a big giant mess." So, John, what's going on here? How is this something? This is a real concern. I've never heard of this before, although I'm sure it's happened in the past. But surely. For, you know, companies have processes in place to prevent this kind of mishap from occurring. I would say both the cleaning company that they're using and the bar itself should have some kind of test in place to make sure that this doesn't happen. What is your thoughts on getting caustic material into your consumer's belly? Uh, don't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That, I mean – if that's really what happened, it's it's just a case of 
company process not being followed by mm-hmm. the employee who was doing the job. Um, you know, as we mentioned before, you know, the last step of cleaning should be testing the water that mm-hmm. you're flushing your line with to yeah. make sure that the pH has returned to a neutral position. You know, so it it should be just part of the process that you push your caustic cleaner out of the line with water before you put any beer through there. <laughs> um, it, it shouldn't be hard. You know, I, yeah, it, I, I don't think this really happens that often. Otherwise, you know, we would have heard about it before. Mm, yeah. Um, so I don't think it's really a concern moving forward. Um, and hopefully just this getting out there will, you know, redouble efforts to make sure that people are following processes. But I, I feel like, I mean, I, I use cleaners to clean my fermenters and, you know, in, in a recirculation process, I feel like it should not be that difficult to have something set in front of you that they claim is beer. And just looking at it, you should be able to say that's not beer. Um, cause I've, I mean, I've seen cleaner, I mean, not, not to be victim blaming, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the bartender should have poured it and said, that's not beer and poured it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it, it really shouldn't have gotten that far. It, you know, if that's what happened and based on, you know, the, there's a big smoking gun of the cleaning company deleting all their records of that, that day's uh, visits. Yeah. Uh, saying they, they weren't there that day. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, the, it seems that that's what happened. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, follow yeah. your process, yeah. flush your line. It, it's not, not that big of a deal. It's, it's super easy. Flush the line. So. Yeah, flush, flush a line, and I think that, I mean, reality is the bar should have documented records that, hey, yep, this guy came in, cleaned these three lines or these four lines or eight lines, whatever, uh, signed in here, checked out here, boom, right? There's got to be, I mean, yeah, the, the company itself may have deleted the records, but the bar itself should have some kind of record they, saying that they've they came should. in clean. Yeah, and I guarantee if they didn't, they will now. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> and and uh, and then surely it's also a casino. How many cameras are available for them to go and access and see? Yep, there's the cleaning guy coming and going from the facility. Right? Why else would he be yeah. there in his cleaning, you know, gear? So I mean, I, I think it's pretty should be pretty easy for them to to put the blame, which it shouldn't be putting the blame, but they. No, they should be able to suss out the cause of this. Yeah, source out the cause. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a it was a, a restaurant inside the casino. Now, whether you can access that restaurant without going through the casino, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, they they should be able to figure it out. Yeah. So. All right. Well, John, I hope that uh, you have something in place to prevent this from happening to your uh, visitors. But I'm sure you will because you're on top of of that. And I and I personally visited a number i mean you know i've visited a lot of breweries and i've and a lot of bars and i've never had uh that experience so it is a you know it's it's a very slight chance that that's going to happen as long as people keep on top of their processes and make sure they check their lines after cleaning all right well thank you jay for providing that question it uh is enlightening and uh, hopefully that our listeners have learned anything. If the beer doesn't look right, don't drink it. That's the key. Don't drink it. Sniff it. Return it and say, hey, something's not right here before you cause yourself harm. Unless you want to make a million bucks. 
but I don't recommend that. Okay, if you want to be part of the show and provide your comments and questions, you can reach us through email at tapthecraftgmail.com or, of course, on Twitter at tapthecraft. And, of course, feel free to follow us online at Facebook at facebook.com slash tapthecraft. And don't forget, we do have a voicemail number. You can call 208-536-3359 or if you like to have some kind of weird uh, naming uh, number, 208-53-ODDLY. Yeah, oddly. Oddly enough, you can leave a voicemail at 208-53-ODDLY. Um, <laughs> so we want to hear your voice on the show. Um, again, if you don't have anything to write down a number, don't worry. You can find the number in the show description on the whatever you're listening to the podcast on. Just go ahead and hit information, and guess what? That whole show notes will show up on the description. You can find the number right there and call when, whenever you want, or you can find it on the post at openforumradio.com. And, of course, talking about OpenForumRadio.com, we want to thank them for supporting the show. They provide the hosting space at OpenForumRadio.com. And if you enjoy the content that John and I put out, then we believe you will find more great content from this, some of the other great shows offered like the following. Hey, you. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny and John. Now, I know you're a crafty consumer. And if you would like to consume other great podcasts, check out OpenFormRadio.com. We house such podcasts as Opaform Radio Proper, The 40 Cast, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, Just Press Start, The Married Gamers, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Lost Treasures of Gaming, Primetime, My Peanut Gallery, and many, many more. And please remember to leave these fine fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this show. Again, thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft. All right, now it's time for the Brew Buzz segment. And the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing various beer-related topics. And this week, we are returning to the uh, standard American beer-style category with the American Lager-style guidelines. And uh, American Lager is, is, you know, pretty much the American Lager. It's what you uh, come to expect from American Lager. But before we get into the style uh, guidelines, let's just go back and remind everyone about the American Standard beer category itself, where all these beers are located. Um, this category describes everyday American beers that have a wide public appeal. They contain both ales and lagers. The beers of this category are not typically complex and have a smooth, accessible flavors. Uh, the ales tend to have lager-like qualities and are designed to appeal to the mass-market lager drinkers as crossover beers. Of course, we're not talking about the ales. We talked about the cream ale last episode. Now we're going to talk about the American lager style. And the overall impression of the American lager is a very pale, highly carbonated, light-bodied, well-attenuated lager with a very neutral flavor profile and a low bitterness. And again, I, I realized after listening to the last episode that we we may need to revisit some of our terms. And attenuated is a fancy term, meaning that it takes away as much of the sugars as possible. The yeast goes ahead and eats up the sugars and leaves the beer very dry. So you don't have a lot of those extra sugars hanging around in the beer. So it ends up being a, a bit more of a dry. All right. And the beer is served very cold. It can be very refreshing and thirst-quenching drink. That's the overall impression of the American lager. Now, the aroma is very low to no malt aroma, 
although it can be perceived as grainy, sweet, or corn-like if present. The hop aroma may range from none to light, spicy, or floral hop presence, while a clean fermentation character is desirable. A light amount of yeast character, particularly a light apple character, is not a fault. Well, you know what? Pretty much any apple character that I have in a, in a lager is going to be a fault to me. I don't expect apple character in my lagers. But they say if you have a slight lager, apple character in there, it's okay. But uh, I don't want any apple in there. Yeah, I agree. It generally means that the beer was not actually aged long enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apple, apple character is... is a sign of uh, green beer, essentially, you know, young beer. Yeah. It's not, not ready. Yeah, it's a lager. Store that damn thing. Get that thing perfect. I want it tasting better. All right, John. So how about the appearance? All right. So we're going to have a very pale straw to medium yellow color uh, with a white frothy head that seldom persists. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to have some good head retention yeah. on this one, but yeah. it, it will be very clear. Okay. In fact, it should be brilliantly clear. There should Brilliant. be any haze, I would say. <laughs> um, contradict. Although maybe brilliant and very mean the same thing to uh, to this. But I would say brilliantly clear. Okay. No haze. Excellent. So don't bring that into my judging table. <laughs> um, a flavor, a relatively neutral palate, which everyone's shocked by, uh, with a crisp and dry finish and moderately low to low grainy or corn-like flavor that might be perceived as sweetness due to the low bitterness. Mm. Hop flavor ranges from none to none or moderately <laughs> low levels as uh, described in the guideline and can have a floral, spicy, or herbal quality, although often not strong enough to distinguish. Mm. So you just say there are hops in there, I guess. It's a, it, wait, it is American lager, so we should have some hop flavor in there. Um... No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, sure you could, but I mean, I'll spoiler alert for later. I mean, Budweiser it would be considered an American locker. Yeah. And yeah. I don't. There's no hop. Yeah. I mean, I, I would. Uh, I shouldn't say none. I'm sure if you sat down with the intent of picking apart a Budweiser, you could find the some very low level of hop character in there. Okay. Um, but nobody does that. So, you know, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't be harsh in that regard. Don't be harsh. Yeah, don't be a hater. Yeah. But hot bitterness, low to medium low uh, level. Uh, balance may vary from slightly malty to slightly bitter, but is relatively close to even. Mm-hmm. I would say most of this is more slightly malty mm-hmm. than slightly bitter because they've learned over time that bitterness, uh, lower bitterness leads to more sales, so they've driven hops out of these beers. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of cases that you can find online if you look for it of how uh, marketing has essentially driven hops out of these beers because they find that people don't want bitterness. Mm. So uh, high levels of carbonation may accentuate the crispness of the dry finish, and it's going to have a clean lager fermentation character. Yeah. yeah. So have, Danny, yeah, what's the mouthfeel? How's this going to feel in my mouth? Oh, yeah. It's going to feel low to medium, low body. Yeah, it's not going to have that much body. It's also, like you already mentioned, going to be high, very high, carbonated with slight carbonic bite in the tongue. I, I, hey, that's it. That's what a American lager is all about. Now, here are some comments uh, that they added into the style guidelines. 
There should be, uh, let's see, strong flavors are a fault. You don't want to have strong flavors. That is not an American lager style. You want to make sure it has no flavors. Often, what non-craft beer drinkers expect to be served if, if they order a beer in the United States. Wow. Okay. So... Uh, I assume that's just if you say, give me a beer. Yeah, give me a beer. That's what you expect they, to be yeah, served. Yeah, they so. just want to get something that has no flavor. Okay, gotcha. Uh, may be marketed as a Pilsner beer outside of Europe, but should not be confused with traditional examples. Yeah, this, um, yeah, I, I agree. All right. All right, John, let's get in some history. What, how did this haul come about, this American lager? All right, so, uh, Although German immigrants had brewed traditional Pilsner-inspired lager beer in the United States since the mid to late 1800s, uh, the modern American lager style was heavy, heavily influenced by Prohibition and World War II, mm. um, largely because you couldn't use barley anymore. <laughs> it was taken for the war effort. Yeah, yeah, you need bread. Um, so uh, surviving breweries consolidated, expanded distribution, and heavily promoted a beer style that was appealing to a broad range of the population. That's all you could get. Um, <laughs> yeah, which uh, happened continually after Prohibition yeah. leading up into the 70s, where I think we only had like six breweries in the United States, mm. something like that. We've talked about it. I'm yeah. sure that number yeah. is wrong, but it's yeah. a very small yeah. number <laughs> relative to uh, you know the size of the country. Um, and uh, it became the dominant beer style for many decades, spawning many international rivals who would develop similarly similarly brand, bland products from mass market supported <laughs> by heavy advertising. Blah. Wow, that's a that's, that's a, a tongue twister for uh, having a few beers in me. Already. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Um, but yeah, a lot of bland beers mm-hmm. with a lot of advertising. That's the. Uh, the gist of that uh, mess that I just tried to say. So, uh, characteristic ingredients, uh, two or six row barley with high percentage, up to 40% of rice or corn wow. as adjuncts. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the rice and corn, it's really provide sugar, mm-hmm. uh, minimize the body, make it Makes drinkable. it dry, yeah. That's what, it, yeah. what they're looking for, Yeah. Um, so style of comparison, stronger, more flavor and body than a light American lager, okay. which we covered last time. I no, think. no, I skipped the light lager. Oh, we did cream ale. That's I did right. cream ale. I, I decided I didn't want to torture our listeners by going with the light American lager. I thought we'd just start with the American lager, skip the light altogether. You know, if we're going to be comprehensive, we should cover everything. <laughs> so, uh, less bitterness and flavor than an international lager. True. And significantly less flavor, hops, and bitterness than traditional European Very true. Prisoners. Very true. So, yes. Um, significant. Yeah, I mean, that, that pretty much goes back. That shouldn't be confused with a Pilsner. Pilsner, you should have that hop character, usually yep. spicy, noble yep. hops. Exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, all this stuff makes sense in terms of where it should lie between all these beers. So. How about some vital statistics? Okay. Well, the international bittering units, that's the units that describe the perceived bitterness that a person's going to feel when they drink the beer, should be between 8 and 18. Very, very low. As we already mentioned, very low bitterness in these American lagers. People that drink American lagers don't want to have that bitter bitter feeling in their uh, in their beer. 
Uh, ABV, alcohol by volume, is between 4.2 and 5.3. And, wow, the 4.2 seems a little bit high for a low. I would have thought maybe 3.2, personally. But they say 4.2, so... 4.2 no. to 5.2. Yeah, most of, the, most of the light's around 4.2 to 4.5. So oh, okay. I, I, I would think that that's about right. Okay. All right. Well, if John says it's about right, then he knows what he's talking about. So I'll just shut up. I'm very familiar with my standard American <laughs> lager, so. Gotcha. All right. Well, here. Here's some beers that John drinks all the time. These are co- commercial examples of uh, American lagers. Budweiser. Budweiser Original. Yes. Coors Original, the, the Banquet Beer, uh, which is of this list, the only one I truly do enjoy is the old Coors Original. Uh, Grain Belt Premium Lager, some Miller High Life, some Paps Blue Ribbon, and Special Export. Those are the commercial examples. Uh, now you're going. See, yeah, I, I started yeah. a trend. Yeah. <laughs> that if you really want to try an American lager, there you go. I of the of all those listed, honestly, the best one in my opinion is the Coors Original. Actually, is a decent American lager in my in my uh, books. So try the Coors, so, Coors Original. Yeah. So of those, the only two that I've drank with any kind of regularity at any point in the recent past is the PBR and the Budweiser. So. Oh wow, wow! So I've drank all of them except for, I've never had the Green Belt Premium. That's the only one I haven't had. I've had all the other ones in my past. And as I already mentioned, uh, the Coors Original is the best one <laughs> of the bunch, in my yeah, opinion. I, I haven't had the Grain Belt either, and I also haven't had Special Export. So Okay. All right. Well, that's our Brew Buzz segment. Let us know what your favorite American lager is and why. And you can do that via voicemail. We want to hear your voice. So go ahead and leave a voicemail. All right, John, you know what? We're, we told them we're going to try to keep the shows under an hour and a half. Let's do that. But before we close, let's go ahead and raise a glass to some people we want to raise a glass to. So, John, who do you want to raise a glass to tonight? All right. I want, I want to raise my glass to Pete and Amanda, who I, I wed this past weekend. <laughs> so, cheers to you, too. It, it was truly an honor to be able to do that. And uh, I think everybody had a great time and... And uh, it, was a, it was a lot of fun getting together a whole bunch of folks, uh, some of which I hadn't seen in a long time. Nice, so, nice. Um, it, it was a great time had by all. Um, but then I want to uh, also raise my glass to our buddy, our buddy Matt Helmer over there at the 40 cast. Yeah. Um, who had his, uh, his brew bucket uh, <laughs> blow out through his airlock on his brown ale. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I... I, I chimed in just saying, just clean that out, put a new airlock on there, and you're good. And uh, he, had, he had said he did. So I told him, you know, now that we're in the same state, we should share some brews. Oh, yeah. Because I love a good brown ale. And he responded with, you should try my Imperial Stout. And I, I'm like, okay. Award winner. Yeah, let's do that. Um, so uh, we're going to hopefully get together to share some beer. You should do it, to, for sure. You were just in Cincinnati, weren't you? Facilitate some more conversation. Yeah, I was. And I we we didn't I should have I shouldn't have mentioned where I was because <laughs> now he's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna, gonna be, be pissed. Upset. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I had zero time. I was shuttling from one thing to the next. So um 
yeah, I was a bit stressed out about, you know, not screwing up the wedding. Yeah. So, no, I understand. Um, I understand. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, we're only two hours apart now via car so we can, we can figure this out. Do it. I believe in us. Yeah. Matt, Matt's a great guy. You've already spent time with him, right? You met up with him when you were in Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, a year I feel ago. like I keep coming to Cincinnati. It's time for him to come to Columbus. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you know that his Imperial Stout won a blue ribbon at his company's home home brew uh, contest this uh, last couple of weeks ago. I did not know that. Yeah. Well, but you should listen to the latest I'm, episode of Forticast. I am way behind on my podcast uh, due to some other stuff going on and. And being gone for this weekend, I usually catch up on the weekends when I'm doing a bunch of work over at the brewery. So this weekend, I didn't get to get to do that. So yeah, I'm, I'm even farther behind. So okay, unfortunate. But I'll get there, and then I'll then I'll congratulate him. Until until then, it's just hearsay. All right. So next show, you can congratulate him. Yeah. <laughs> so how about you? Who do you want to raise your glass to? Well, you know what? I also want to raise my glass to Peter and Amanda. Congratulations on your marriage and. And to you, John, for officiating, and I'm assuming doing a great job because uh, they're married. So that's that's what matters. Yeah, uh, so. they they did. I said to you, <laughs> you yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and then they kissed. So I'm pretty sure that's official. It's official. It's so. official. But I also want to raise my glass to my buddy Alex Fuchs. Uh, he's an awesome, awesome beer buddy. He and I go out and drink all the time. He's the one that invited me to the Mary Hopsters Hopfield. And, of course, he is a, a award-winning home brewer himself. And uh, he lets me try all of his home brews. And I'll tell you what, Alex makes some fantastic beer. Um, the latest ones that I've tried, uh, an amber ale or a red ale, that was really good. I love the uh, balance that he had on the red ale with the uh, hops and the uh, the malt. Very well done. Black IPA, really well done. Also, I've had it spaced over a couple weeks. Um, I will say that as that beer ages, it definitely goes way more into the the like burnt hop uh, or not burnt hop, but burnt uh, malt type pear character. So it might be going too roasty as it ages, but still a great a great uh, beer and he just um, released a, a weed ale, a Hefeweizen that was uh, also really tasty and really good. I just had those last week. Um, hey, thank you Alex for brewing some great beer and letting me try them uh, and keep up the good work. And hey, thanks for being a great beer buddy to go out there and drink. We, we make a great uh, team to go drink with. And of course, I just want to thank Bitter Creek Ale House for putting on the awesome Mary Hopsters Hopfields bus tour event this last weekend. If you, again, if anyone has the opportunity to join that next year, I recommend it. I highly recommend it. And of course, I just want to raise my glass to all the servicemen and women out there who are protecting our freedoms. Thank you for your service. And Hopcloth. I want to raise a glass to Hopcloth Apparel for partnering up with us, and I encourage our listeners to go visit their site at hopcloth.com, check out their creative craft beer clothing, and of course, use the code TAPTHECRAFT, all one word, at checkout to get free shipping. And you can find the beers and the links to the article we mentioned in the show notes located on the show post at openforumradio.com. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Loose Screw. And John, 
how can our listeners follow you? Twitter at Prime Brewing, untap Prime WA, and uh, more importantly, follow the the brewery Trek Brewing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trek Brewing, or visit the website trekbeer.com. All right, it is last call. It is time to bring our show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to this show. We ask you to please tell a friend and, of course, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or, of course, TuneIn Radio or Google Play or however you listen to your podcast. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Yeah, can, can you I see your... can you see my voice? Oh, I can vividly see it. It's like vividly? Fantasia. Okay. No, but as I was coming up here, my dad said, "If you're gonna pod, pod hard." So <laughs> here we go. <laughs> let's pod hard. <laughs> yeah, let's do this thing. Beer is that right, John? I didn't screw that up, did I? Are you there, John? Unmute. I'm sorry. I just got pinged for a check that needs to be sent to me, and I got distracted. Okay, never mind. What was the question? I'll answer it. Just ask me again, then you can start up with my answer. Okay, I just, well, you'd have to listen to what I said. Fully pay attention. Never mind. We're moving on. I'm sorry. I'm just going to delete it because I I was going on a spiel about well-attenuated, but you didn't listen to my, and I can't remember what I said. Well, attenuated means... It has less sugar and more alcohol. Okay, there we go.